to get the Altoids. We need Altoid sponsoring. Yeah, we need Cause I, Because I think you and I are the only people that have Altoids, that eat Altoids, though. Are you? I feel like there's a class of people that have Eclipse gum and Altoids, and then there's the rest of the kids, and they all have Orbit. Let's talk about it. All right. <laughs> three, Push it two, one. <laughs> Welcome to Pushing Through. It is Tuesday in the beautiful city of Los Angeles. It is officially March. I am Tate Frazier and sitting in BJ Armstrong's office, it is the kid. What up, BJ? What up, Doe? This is the office, the studio, where deals happen. This is an action-packed room. This is where when people come to your door, you just wave them in, and the first thing that you say is, do you have a check for me? And if they don't have a check, you just get them to move on. You're like, okay, have a great day. Well, this, great is where, uh, this room is about business, <laughs> man. Yeah, big business. <laughs> this is business. So uh, when you come in, you want to make sure that you come correct. You come correct. With a check. Yeah, with a check. Every single time. And uh, we've had a, uh, speaking of uh, a guy that's always come correct with his check and the New York Knicks, and that is a man by the name of Spike Lee. And I walked, I walked into your office today and you're watching Stephen A. Smith and Spike Lee uh, star in the, the basically the best show on television, which is First Take, with Spike Lee discussing the fact that last night he had to deal with the owner of the New York Knicks, yeah, James Dolan. Yeah. We both agree that Spike Lee should win an award for his performance today yeah. on First Take. I mean, it was an Oscar-worthy performance. A lot of action. It was a lot of action today. I don't... I. No, I've just seen the one show. I haven't seen all of the experts this yet. This is Spike's Analy- side of the story. Spike... And I'm siding with Spike. Got out in front of the story. He definitely... Great... Great move. Great actor. Great energy. <laughs> I don't know if it was acting, but I was intrigued. I was a captivated mm-hmm. audience member today, right? I was like, every word. I, I wanted to hear the story. I wanted to hear what really happened. I mm-hmm. wanted to hear, why was he coming in through the employee, you know, the, the gate entrance or what have you. It was definitely interesting and uh you and I, we checked it out, so it's a lot to talk about. It's, it's it's a lot to talk about, and it, you know it's a lot to talk about when Stephen A. Smith seems a little bit frazzled because he always. No, Stephen A. didn't say anything. Yeah, he they, he just let Spike take late, the stage. Yeah. You know, it's one of those times where you know when you have like old great actors they get on a stage together, like a Steve McQueen and you know like a James Dean or something like that, and they kind of look at each other and size each other up. That was happening with these two guys because Stephen A. is a great performer, but he's also been doing a monologue <laughs> by himself for quite some time, and Spike Lee said. I'm here for the show today and I have a pre-written script and here's the script. James Dolan is harassing me and I don't like it. And the rest of the Knicks world does not like it either. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think of it. I, I really, <laughs> All you can do is I mean, smile. I don't really know what to think <laughs> of any of this because, you know, it is a joke, right? Mm-hmm. It is a joke, right? And working in this business, you got to have a sense of humor for sure. You know, one thing that was interesting was we didn't even talk about the game. I mean, this is a, a show. This is what the NBA is. It yeah, is basically they say WWE wrestling. It has become <laughs> such – I don't even know what this is anymore, right? It's not sports. Mm-hmm. It's not entertainment. It's some type of whatever. And all we talk about is everything except the game. It's PR warfare is really what it is. Well, whatever it is, because <laughs> – how does someone entering the game becomes uh, our show? 
<laughs> okay. The producer who produced that segment mm-hmm. deserves an award. But what do you even have to produce when you have a man that is an Oscar winner who is going to walk into the room and produce himself? I, I can't you wait to see. I, mean? I can't <laughs> wait to see Spike. I can't wait <laughs> because. You know, I just want to see, I want to be a fly on the wall. Like, I just want to know all the people who called him. Mm -hmm. I want to know, like, how did this happen? And So from his side of the story, this entrance that he went in, the employee entrance is on 33rd Street. Let's make it clear. From... he always goes in this entrance. In fact, the for win- twenty what twenty twenty seven years twenty yeah uh, twenty something twenty seven twenty eight. Let's just say thirty yeah. years. Sounds okay. like thirty years to me. <laughs> he said last Wednesday he went to go see a play to killing Mo- to kill a mockingbird. Eighteen thousand <laughs> public school kids in the building. again. When it, we're not talking about basketball. No, we're not talking <laughs> about basketball. Come on, to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> and that was last Wednesday. He went in that same entrance, no problem. So he all he really wants to know, right, is when did the rule change that he can't go in that entrance? And if the rule did change, why did he not get a phone call? Because as he said, if he did not pay his or astronomical a text or an email or anything, right, a, a, a TikTok, just send the NBA TikTok <laughs> girls to give a dance and say. You can't go in the right. store. Go to the next one. He got none of that. But he also said if he didn't pay his dues, his astronomical dues, they would call him the next day and hound him all day. So he wants to now get the same, you know, sort of treatment on the other side of things, which is fair, right? That's a fair point from Spike. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fair point. Is this a show about basketball? <laughs> What is this show about? I have no idea at this point. I think the good news is that you and I both, our generations, respect Spike Lee, right? And yes. love Spike Lee. So. No, no, no. We don't respect. We love Spike Lee. Exactly. Here. He is the face of the New York Knicks. This is as if Jack Nicholson walked in the Lakers entrance and Jeannie Buss or Jim Buss or, some sort, or even a yellow bus walked in the way and said, you cannot do that, Sir Jack. And he was like, I'm not coming back to the Lakers. People in L.A. would lose their minds. Same with Spike Lee. So New Yorkers are losing their minds. And Spike Lee is giving them the show they want. This is the best thing the Knicks have done in years. I'm intrigued. Wait a minute. I want to watch. Again, not the about best thing basketball. the Knicks have done or the best thing that Spike has Spike done? Spike has done in spite of the Knicks, but also aligning with the Knicks because he represents, like he said, the people, right? He is the face of the Knicks. And the owner is the one that is trying to get rid of the people, the real Knicks people. And Spike wants to get them out. He wants to get people riled up and maybe, just maybe, get a new owner. To me, that's what it seems like it could be. I don't know. James Dolan shook his hand. There is photo evidence of that. <laughs> Spike Lee said that never happened. There's lots of sides. I, I don't even know what to say. I I really don't know what to say here other than... Let's call Charles Oakley. That's what we need. Like, you know that's, what? That's who needs to give a word on this because he said he was in solidarity with Charles Can Oakley. Can we somehow get Charles Oakley? Yes. On the phone. Absolutely. We, we, that, that's, <laughs> we have to get Charles Oakley on. Mm-hmm. So there's two people I want to hear from. Okay. I want to hear Charles Oakley. Yes. And I want to hear from Clyde Frazier. Clyde. What, is, I what does get, Clyde think? What would Clyde say about all of this? I honestly think his job, just like the security, we talked about this, the people that are actually yelling at Spike Lee, telling him to walk outside and go in the other entrance, are being told from the top to do this. They probably don't want to do this, right? Well, <laughs> Clyde Frazier, he works, he works for the team. He calls the game. I, I just want his to know. Job, he may just have to you know, say, I don't know. I just want to know what Clyde has to think about it. All the other people, I'm not, 
I got to hear from Clyde. He's right too now. smooth to comment. We do know that. Yeah, I want to hear from Clyde. We got to hear from Clyde. So th- that's where we'll leave it right now. We'll, we'll leave the Knicks situation. We want to hear from Clyde. We respect that Leon Rose didn't even have a press conference uh, amidst you know all of this craziness in New York. And if you're a Lakers fan <laughs> right now, you, you have to be happy, right? I mean, you have to just say. I'm so happy Jeannie Buss is our owner uh, because, man, there is chaos in New York City. When are we going to talk about the game? (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm asking. When are we going to talk about the game? What is there even to talk about in New York with basketball? The The Knicks beat the Rockets last night. They beat the Rockets last night. Let's talk about it. See, no one cares. <laughs> That's what happens when people want to talk about basketball. Now, all they want to talk about is all the storylines surrounding basketball. That's why if you're, you know, a guy that has a huge PR team, you're going to have a chance to actually make things work. You know what I mean? And that's the world that we live in. But can we talk about real basketball? Can we talk about sure. something sure. on the basketball court? Yes. Which is yesterday you were on Fox again. You were, yes. you were on Fox Sports. You were on Speak for Yourself. Um, and you were, you know, talking about the LeBron James situation. LeBron James comes out to the world and says, the Bob Knight classic, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> and uh, the, America always loves when you say that because that means that you're assured in what you're saying. Right. And if you don't like it, you can, again, kiss his ass. LeBron says this about talking to younger players. They're asking you about this. And you gave a great response. Midas and I uh, watched that together. And, okay. And you called him Uncle LeBron. And I think that's a, that's the right stage in, in, in the NBA pyramid where you go from a young guy to basically, you know, your, like, prime period, and then you become, like – little like all-star level your uncle period and then you're going to have your post-prime period right and lebron's in his uncle period and what does that mean well what that means is you know lebron's probably what 34 35 right now somewhere around there and he's not the you know he's not the 20 year old he's not the young buck he's not the young guy on the street he has a wealth of experience clearly he's ascended to a level to many of these young guys now look up to him mm-hmm and he's at that stage now where first he was the big brother uh you know when he probably first came in he was the little brother right mm. then he became the big brother now he has really morphed into he's uncle lebron right now uncle LeBron. he's uncle Bron right now that's where he's at mm-hmm. and he has kids that probably i mean think about it lebron's kids probably played against some of these guys in the aau tournament that's something else. Yeah, yeah. That's something <laughs> right. to think about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, but he's right there. And now I think he is – there's a little separation now between the Ja Morants, the Zions of the world, and where LeBron's at in the world, right? At first they probably could all hang out after the game, and now LeBron is probably at a point now where he's like, no, nah, you guys do your thing. I'll get my Del Frisco <laughs> to go. <laughs> right. I'm going back to the exactly. hotel. That's probably where he's at with these uh with the kids and, and let's let's just you know face it he's he's at a place in his career mm-hmm. where every moment counts from this point moving forward right he doesn't have a lot of time to waste on we'll get it next year so um you know he's uncle he's he's in the uncle stage clearly and um i i, I think right now he has to find a way you know to really hold off the this generation because they're coming mm-hmm. I think they're getting more and more confident. Uh, the John Morants, they're brash, they're young. Zion clearly is coming. Um, and these young players, I mean, you're you're seeing now, 
Giannis, he's getting bolder and bolder now mm-hmm. in what he's doing. And, you know, this is a young man's game. You know, youth is always on the young man's side, right? And they have the energy to do it. And um, I just think it's inevitable that these young players will eventually take over the game and move forward because they have the they are the ones who can actually go out there and play. I mean, we can talk about experience. You can talk about those things. But when you're talking about playing 82 games, mm-hmm. you know, you got to go out there and do it. You got to go do the deed. And the deed is uh, always going to happen on the court. So, yeah, and we're like you're 17, you're 18 for LeBron. So this is about the period of time where, you know, 18 years, there would be a turnover in, in the talent and the passing of the baton. And one thing we talked about in basketball is what Jordan, the only thing that you could point to Jordan, some people would say maybe he never passed that baton, even though. No, he, he didn't. I, I think that was on purpose, right? You know, listen, his mindset is he just had a different view of the game, right? So mm-hmm. his mindset was. You know, he was a, a he had a warrior's mentality, right? Mm-hmm. So his mindset was, I'm not asking for permission to be in your network. I'm coming to take over your network, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be kicking the door, waving the four four. Yes, I'm yeah. coming in. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he came in, took it over, was sitting on the throne, if you will, and there was no. I'm here to mentor someone how to do this. I'm not passing over the baton. Mm-hmm. I am the greatest player then. I'm the greatest player now. And his real mindset was, I don't want to be compared to anyone else. Mm-hmm. So if you compared him to like, oh, well, he could be the next Dr. J. He took that as an insult. Oh, wow, he could be the next Elgin Baylor. He took that as an insult. Mm-hmm. Well, who's better, him or Clyde Drexler? He took that as an insult. If you started comparing him to Magic Johnson, that was an insult to him. Most people are just like want to be. They're flattered by it. Yeah. He took it as an insult. He wanted to be compared to no one. Now, who thinks like that? Like he wanted to be he wanted to be a standalone player and he didn't want to be compared to anyone else. Mm -hmm. When you look at his career, he made sure that he always stood out on top. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think his biggest if he had any fear at all about playing the game was to be compared or have another young player attack him the way he attacked all of the older players. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the great players, older player at the time when I came in the league was a guy by the name of Sidney Moncrief. Mm-hmm. Sidney Moncrief was a terrific player and all-star caliber. And I saw Michael Jordan attack him in a way that I haven't seen a player attack. Right. You know, most players are just, you know, hey, you come into this league, you play against a player that you've admired. And there's Mm -hmm. there's a respect there Well, with this Jordan guy, he was attacking people. And I remember him. I asked him sometime, like, what was that all about? You know, because I didn't know Sidney at the time. And he just said, I don't want that ever to happen to me. Now. That was something he was aware of as a young player, that he didn't want to be the old player that some other young player was attacking him. And I remember watching, I watched the Kobe Bryant game. I think Kobe scored like, I don't know, 50 something points or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wanted to see if Jordan was gonna get it in a confrontation with Kobe Bryant during that game. And he avoided the confrontation. 
and and I remember going back to that game. It was in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. I think Sydney was playing for the Atlanta Hawks at the time. But the confrontation of being an older player mm-hmm. and being attacked by a young player, I think it's probably most players' nightmare, right? I, I remember for me when I saw Allen Iverson for the first time as an older player, I was like, there's nothing I could do about this. Mm-hmm. And, and that was my moment of saying, you know what? It's it's time. Like, like I wanted to do something. I wanted to resist. I wanted to compete. But what he brought to the table and I brought to the table at that time, there was no counter in, in this little game in the game. And I think that is a big fear for all athletes when you know there's nothing you can do, right? You see that young athletic strong younger guy coming and there's nothing you can do your mind is still working but there's nothing you can do to compete right you're not saying you're going to win but you want to compete and um i think that was always something for him talking about michael jordan that always lingered in the back he didn't want to be that guy that you stay too long Mm -hmm. and stick around too long for someone to start attacking you in a way that exposes you when it's over it's over Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that think that they don't understand the timeline of Jordan's career because in 98, when he retired, his last shot was a game-winning shot basically in the NBA Finals, right? That his was shot was, it was the best. It was the best. And it was the – it almost, if you watch, there was an NBA documentary they did in like 2000 and, you know, it's like a Madra shot. And, you know, it's right. the whole team and they're, they're explaining the whole journey of Jordan. And when he left the game at that point, it was kind of like – what a final act, act, you know what I mean? Exactly. It, 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 Kobe did that with the 60-point game. You yes. know, it was like, here's my final moment, my bow. Thank you so much for your time. You know, see you later. And then obviously he did come back, but that was the mindset of him. You know, he wanted it to be perfect. It was a it was a precision. Yeah, you wanted to be perfect, but – and this is why I give the Kobe's, the Michael's. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Michael came back, to me that was – that was one of the the, the greatest acts mm-hmm. when he when he came back to the to the Wizards, right? Was the Wizards at that mm-hmm. time? Was because the fear of not knowing, no, you know, you're not the best player anymore, and the fear of you know there's some there's you lingering out there with some young mm-hmm. guy, right? You know, there's a young guy that's hungry to looking to make his reputation. So to me, for him to to me for Jordan. Kobe Bryant of the world to face that fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that to me is like the greatest act. Like Kobe Bryant took on that final act mm-hmm. in the la- in the latter stages of his career, right? He wasn't like playing for championships. He wasn't he was playing because he loved the game mm-hmm. and he made himself vulnerable. That to me was like because as an athlete, that's hard to admit that you when you know you can't do what you are accustomed to doing. Mm-hmm. And to watch Jordan do it, to watch Kobe do it, now to watch LeBron enter into that phase of his career, like I give him a lot of credit because now you're on that island by yourself, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's easy to talk trash when you're winning and you're on a good team, but when you're on that island all alone and there's nothing you can do, that's a that's a scary moment because you're you've depended on your body for so long and now your body isn't able to do what it what it once you know was capable of doing so i give lebron credit for where he's at in his mm-hmm. career right when he when he makes those long passes down the court now i i i, the recog- pass. I, I yes. recognize those passes now because now mm-hmm. you you're like 
do I really want to fight this young player right now and just waste energy, or do I just pass the ball ahead and do what I got to do? And he passes it ahead. And I always smile now at the game because I recognize those little things happening in the game. But the fact that he's made himself this vulnerable and still found a way to be an elite player at this age, to me, says a lot about his game. Mm-hmm. says a lot about where how he thinks about the game. But more importantly, he's found another way to be just as successful. Even though he may not be the same athlete that he was, he still found a way. And he's finding a way. And uh, to me, that makes that makes the, the game that more special, when, especially when, as you mature as a player in this league. And you mentioned Michael's mentality, right? So we have this whole setup coming up. Well, LeVar Ball is back, for the people that didn't see this. <laughs> uh, the, the big baller brand is back, and LeVar is all over ESPN today. Again, we, we love the fodder. So. No, he's on Fox. He's, he's on, on Fox. Fox. He's yeah, on Fox. Sorry. On Fox. I, I am also on Fox sometimes, yes. so I apologize to the Fox heads. But So basically, he goes on Fox today, and he says that we have never seen this version of his son, Lonzo, right, who plays for the Pelicans. Right. And Lonzo is going to be in revenge mode which is also going to be on top of uh playoff Lonzo right Lonzo Lonzo's going to be all these things right going into the playoffs for the Pelicans because the Pelicans in theory could be the eighth seed the Lakers would be the one seed right and he is saying that this is redemption period for the Pelicans against this Lakers team and Zion Williamson like you said there's been no fear really in the regular season so far against LeBron in the playoffs is there is there a chance that Zion who wasn't really guarded by LeBron too much has a you know a MJ Sidney Moncrief moment where he's like I want to go at this guy I'm in the playoff, you know, I'm in playoff mode, quote unquote. Or is that going to be Lonzo Ball, like LeVar says? I mean, or is even any of this, you know, just more speculation, if anything? Because this is, this is how, this is the world we work in now. Well, I'm going to say this, what I've seen from this kid, Zion. Mm-hmm. Zion has been nothing short of spectacular mm-hmm. from this standpoint. He's doing Melo's record for yeah, he, 20 point games. I, I'm not, I'm not really, like, I respect the numbers, mm-hmm. but. They're supplemental when you, to the when you season. play the game, right? There, there are a lot of players who put up numbers, right? Numbers mm-hmm. are numbers. Mm-hmm. I look for the player who plays the game with his heart, mm-hmm. right? That, that's what I respect. Like, okay, guy averages twenty five points a game. Look, I don't think that's impressive, especially <laughs> not today. Why? Because look, if if I played in this style of play, the way they're playing today, there are more opportunities to score. There are more emphasis to score. And knowing what I know now, and and if I was able to play in the game, knowing what I know now, right? When I play the game, they play, they you could hand check somebody with two hands, right? They they'll I mean, the way you play then, the physicality of the game. The game is set up for you to score now, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the game. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm getting twenty five let's say a coach calls twenty five plays a game for me with a live dribble. Shouldn't I be able to score at least half of those times? That's like 24. If I got 25 plays with a live dribble, mm-hmm. shouldn't I be able to score at least 24, 25 points a game? Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd take that. That's pretty good. I, yeah. I, I mean, so I'm not really impressed, especially <laughs> the way they play today, mm-hmm. right? So there are more opportunities to play. No one's walking the ball up to court. You don't see coaches sitting on the sideline calling every play like we did. Now – Guys are just getting up the court. You dribble up to the three-point line. You shoot it. You shoot <laughs> one-legged fadeaways, you know. I mean, it's it just – the thing that I'm most impressed in going back to Zion is he's doing all of this without training camp. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm like, okay, he's not even in shape, and he's able to get 20-some points. 
just on raw physical ability, and he's just playing the game with his heart. Mm-hmm. Right? He can't even conceptualize the game because he doesn't have the experience to figure out. Like, he can't like say, "Well, this is what the game is going to be like tomorrow night when I play against the Portland Trailblazers," based on experience. Right? Mm-hmm. This is all like this is a first. He played against LeBron James. That was a first. Mm-hmm. And somehow he gets 25, 30 points just because he has this raw talent. Just guy just like literally rolled off the training <laughs> table. <laughs> and he's so funny. He's so nonchalant yeah, he about all of it. He just rolled off the training. Right. Yeah. He didn't prepare for this. He didn't, he didn't, he's not in shape to do this. He just like rolled in. And then it's very old school, just you 25 know, points, yeah. matter of factly, right? Yeah. It's not like he's like doing anything that's like tremendously skilled. He's just like, I'm just playing basketball and I'm just going to figure it out as I go along. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, this has been very impressive. What scares me is instead of him, you know, hitting a wall or people making, you know, adjustments to him, he's just getting better mm-hmm. because now. He's getting in better shape. Mm-hmm. He's getting a feel for how the game is played. I think he didn't have a preseason. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a. He's just coming right into an NBA season, getting twenty points a game. He was napping he, on the bench not too long ago. So I'm saying now, he, now he, he's back. Yeah, but but think about games. this: how much practice time has the guy really had? <laughs> Well, it's funny because you always hear the Allen Iverson stories. They're like, this guy would just be God knows where, and then he would show up at the game and drop 35 points. I mean, Zion may have a little bit of that in him. You know what I mean? He might just be well, able to that's what I'm saying. supremely talented. Well, he, he, physically, he's just gifted. Mm-hmm. Was like, I didn't know how it was going <laughs> to translate, but he's he's really gifted. Mm-hmm. What, what really, I'm intrigued. I'm just saying I'm afraid. What intrigues me is when the game slows down a little bit, he may be even better because physically he's so imposing. Mm-hmm. That could be a that could be a major problem, right? The superstars in our league have all made their mark in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's a star talent. He's a star talent without even preparing to be that. Like, boom, you just roll him in, and here we are. It's March, and some people, some experts, maybe not here, are saying, could he be rookie of the year? Think about it. Think about that. Mm-hmm. He's in the conversation just because he of his impact. When the game slows down a little bit, he may be even better. He may be like a new school big man where he can play the five yeah. and they can put him in the post. And well, yeah, who knows? He, 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 he may, I'm not sure if he's the best athlete in the NBA, but I'm going to say this. I think he's the best ground athlete because he can create more space on the ground than any other player right now. And by the way, he can jump too. Mm-hmm. Twice, five times. Mm-hmm. This guy just like he, yeah, he his like react, a yeah, yeah, he just reacts. Now <laughs> on the ground, though, he creates space. Mm-hmm. Right, he creates more space. I mean, I'm seeing him do this against seven footers mm-hmm. because he can create space. I mean, he can hold you on the ground and move you around. Where even if you are seven feet, there's nothing you can do, and you're seeing the respect from the veteran guys. Mm-hmm. Like when he goes to dunk. There aren't too many people trying to go up and block that one. They let it slide. They, you got to let them slide. So I don't know if I really want to play against him 
in the first round because he's going to make a mark. Mm-hmm. I just don't want that mark to be against me. It's funny because there was this moment in that game against the Lakers where it kind of solidified where we are in the NBA. It was Zion had this massive dunk. They cut to the crowd as the kid in the Zion jersey. He's going crazy. He's giving the ooh and ah face. LeBron got that inbounds quicker than any inbounds he had gotten all season, grabbed it, pulled it up right where Steph Curry pulled up against the Thunder, you know, how right. many years ago, and hit a long three. And, and it's funny, that's where we are. It's like we're used to seeing that LeBron version of that where he's throwing down the powerful dunk and someone's putting up a three. But now Zion's the one that's like getting to the rim doing that. And LeBron's game is more outside, inside. Well, which is, that, yeah, that's what happened. Run. I mean, it's he he's caught that's my interest. That's why I give LeBron credit because his game has changed that much the other way. Well, you, you got to change. You, you, you know, you have to change. You, the it, best it, ability is adaptability. Without, I've never heard what, that. What, 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 well, that's, that's, give that to Skip Bayless. Where's Skip Bayless? Where is our guy Skip? Skip, take that. <laughs> but I mean, in this league, you don't play that long by accident. Mm-hmm. You don't play 17, 18. Tw- some of these guys are now playing twenty years. Vince you know, Carter. Vince Carter. You don't. You know, the late Kobe Bryant. You know, we take uh, Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron. What is he? Year seventeen. Dirk. You don't play that long without adjusting and being able to adapt to the game. Mm-hmm. So give LeBron credit watching him evolve, right? Mm-hmm. You're watching him evolve. He came in. He was a high flyer, da-da-da. Now he's shooting threes. Mm-hmm. You know, Dirk Nowinski, you know, now it's a it's a move, right? The fadeaway one leg. No, that was out of necessity, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because that was the only way he could create separation mm-hmm. you know um kick that leg out you know i i love it when i go to the gym now and i watch players work on their fadeaway <laughs> no the young michael jordan never would have shot a fadeaway mm-hmm. that was out of necessity but it's funny yeah. because the kids that are playing now are around my age and we grew up right, watching that jordan yeah you think that was a move no yes. that was the only way he could get a shot off in reality we all should have been watching jerry stackhouse and rip hamilton you know what i mean it was like that's right, the guy right. rip hamilton shooting threes that's ahead right, of his right. time that's gonna be a guy that if rip hamilton yeah, played in the nba right now he'd be one of the most valuable players around because everyone yeah, wants rip, that guy rip was rip was moving around like reggie miller yeah you know? running around Red, screens all yeah, over the he place. was moving around and, and that's the way that the guy, yeah that's the way the guys played that the two guard, the two guard at that time was, you know, it was a, you ran more plays. There was more. Mm-hmm. If there's anything that different, people always ask me, what's the difference? The only difference I see between, you know, yesteryear and now, especially in that '90s era, is the, the players today play more unorganized mm-hmm. than our generation. Like, you you play one on one with like four or five seconds on the shot clock. You watch a game today, guys are playing one-on-one with like 17 seconds on the shot clock, right? Like the whole game is a one-on-one game, right? There, there's the, there's more improvising in the game than it was in the 90s. More, There were more plays being called. There was more structure. There was more emphasis on playing as a group. And then when the shot clock got to be like four or five seconds, then you somehow the ball got to your best player, whether it was Akeem Olajuwon or whomever, Larry Bird, and then those guys played. Now, it's just more isolation basketball. It's not. It's not that it's unorganized. It's just there's more emphasis on individuals' talents. You just get the ball to your best player and say, "Make a play for mm-hmm. yourself or the team." Mm-hmm. And that is the difference that I see in today's game. I'm not saying it's good or not saying it's bad, but traditionally, the teams that have won are the teams who have a balance. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, you, if you watch the Warriors over the last five years, 
the Warriors have had a delicate balance of playing together as a group. And then at the right time, you know, Steph Curry would go on his little, you know, his little thing. And then Clay, oh, Clay would do his little thing. And then Kevin Durant, you know, in the last two or three years, he would do his little thing, mm-hmm. right? So th- there's always moments. When I watch the Rockets, for instance, they're just doing their one-on-one thing <laughs> for 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's hard to do and sustain it over a seven-game series. That's hard to do. Like – I'm just going to give the ball to my guy and just play one-on-one for 48 mm-hmm. minutes for seven games. And we got no big, so the lane is so open. So there's no counter yeah, yeah. to the game, right? Exactly. The, you, these yeah. guys are really, really good when you start talking about getting to the conference finals, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and the NBA finals, right? Those teams are really, really good. You got to have – you got to be able to adjust, right? And just to say I'm going to give the ball to you mm-hmm. for 48 minutes and go figure it out. I think that's impossible. I don't think that's ever been done before. Yeah, and we got uh, we got the playoffs coming up. We got March Madness coming up. We got a lot of uh, interviews that we've banked over the past few weeks yes. that we're going to be talking uh, and putting out over pushing through. Obviously, uh, I want to point out one thing: uh, Javale McGee, who we had on the show on Friday, who right. was great. Uh, he got Zion's jersey the other night after the Lakers yeah. game. Zion walked up, gave him the jersey. Javale left with that, and Zion just you know seemed like he wanted to just go dap up Javale and give him his jersey. And Zion just you know seems like a 19 year old kid that's kind of like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but <laughs> I'm having fun, I guess. I don't know. Well, you Good know, to see Javale get that jersey though. I, I when we were younger, I wish I I wish I had that athletic ability, right? Of like <laughs> those guys like John Moran. We know you really <laughs> wish you were a big. Hey, I wish I was a big, but. <laughs> I remember when we would play against shot blockers, right? Mm-hmm. We were playing the shot blockers, you know, and the shot blockers at the time was uh, Dikembe Mutombo and David Robinson and, and all of those guys. I just remember watching Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and those guys all talking, who's going to get him first, <laughs> right? <laughs> JaVale McGee mm-hmm. is going to try to block your shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that Zion and company are saying, who's going to get JaVale McGee first? And JaVale's always been a high flyer. And, um, you he know, blocked I mean, a shot in in that game, actually. Yeah, he did. I mean, I think he had like six or seven blocks. So, you know, JaVale, for many of these young guys, represents, you know, a victim. As they say, they're going to catch a body, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to catch a body. Hassan Whiteside's one of those guys. Hassan is one of those guys. <laughs> and, you know, was, and so I'm sure there's a mutual respect. JaVale was very up for that game. And I'm sure Zion, look, over time, everybody's going to get dunked on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's – when you play the Lakers, you know, they have like three or four shot blockers, right? I mean, because you, you, you got Dwight, LeBron, you LeBron they'll catch you, JaVale, AD. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's a game for a lot of young guys here. They just they – just, that's the moment that they want. That's the moment they're looking for. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll keep those moments coming on this show as we move forward. And, BJ, we'll be back on Friday. I appreciate it. And if you're in water. Make waves. (laughs) See you on Friday. (laughs)